all of those great things we're going to do this morning. So I invite you, if you would, if you stand, we begin our worship service together. We'll start with prayer. Pray with me. Father, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for every Sunday we get to get together. It's, uh, we thank you for this church, for the body that you made us a part of, for the family that you made us members of for the every opportunity we get to get together and enjoy sharing with each other, laughing and singing and praising you and hearing your word. and just so encouraging to come every week, and I, I just praise you for the opportunity to do that and the fact that you've destined for us all to be together and enjoy, enjoy that church together. We pray this morning that everything that's done would honor Jesus that you would use these songs and your word to encourage us. In his name we pray. Amen. I'm going to start with a scripture song it's from the, a book in the Old Testament. Not the book of Hezekiah. It's the book of Zephaniah. Don't hear that too many times. But it's a great song reminding us that God is in our midst. And he rejoices over us. That's an amazing thought that. The God of the universe would care about us, that he promises when we're together, he's there with us, worshiping and fellowshipping with us, and that he loves us and rejoices to have us of his children. The Lord your God is in your midst. The Lord your God is in your midst. A warrior who saves, he will exalt over you with joy. He will renew you with his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. With shouts of joy. With shouts of joy. With shouts of joy. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will exalt over you with joy. He will renew you in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy, with shouts of joy. With shouts of joy, with shouts of joy, as Christians. We are supposed to base our lives on God's truth. It's pretty easy to get kind of caught up in the world's thinking. They, it's the propaganda out there all the time trying to convince us other than what God really believes. So the, the hymn here that we're singing likens that to standing on the Bible. We're not literally standing on it, but we love it. We, we read it. We study it. We memorize it. And we base our lives on it. And we're standing on the promises 
of God. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God my Savior. Standing, standing. Standing on the promises of God, standing on the promises that cannot fail, when the howling storms of doubt and fear assail, by the living word of God I shall prevail, standing on the promises of God, standing, I'm standing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. tells us that we're supposed to trust God in everything. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. You can't really be joyful in the Christian life unless you're trusting and obeying God. He's made that clear. That's, he's the one that gives us love. He's the one that gives us peace. He's the one that gives us joy. So as we trust Him, and as we obey him, he gives us all of those blessings and all of that joy. So when we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, the glory he sheds on our way. Trust and obey. Do his good. 
Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, our Holy One. There is a Redeemer, Jesus, God's own Son, precious Lamb of God. Messiah, oh, Holy One, thank you, O oh, my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Jesus, my Redeemer, Precious Lamb of God, Messiah, oh, for sinners Thank you, oh, my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your 
and there I'll serve my King forever in that holy place. Thank you for my Father for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. And leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. One more before Steve comes up and shares from the Word. Another song about our Redeemer, glorying in His precious blood for us. I think it's the song at the cross and it talks about, I'll take my stand there. And there's some people, are, it's a, they think that there, there's a shame in the cross, but it's actually a glory. And it may have been the most shameful death you could die, but it was for our honor and glory that he did that to be able to bring us to him. I will glory in my Redeemer. in my Redeemer whose priceless blood has ransomed me mine was the sin that drove the bitter nails and hung him on that judgment tree I will glory in my Redeemer who crushed the power of sin and death my only Savior before the Holy The Lamb who is my righteousness. I will glory in my Redeemer, my life he bought, my love he owns. I have no longings for another, I'm satisfied in him alone. Oh! 
not let our emotions, not let the world around us and the things going on around us dissuade us from knowing that you are God and that you are in charge of our lives. So we just pray this morning as your word is shared that those truths would be more evident in the world to us. In Christ's name, amen. Good morning. Good to see you all again. Good to be back in church here in Tampa, Florida. Last Sunday at this time, I was in church with Steve Phelps. That is, we were having breakfast together. That was our church. <laughs> it was a good time. I want to say thanks for your prayers, and I'm going to sum it up this way as we start, is that um, I was with family, my physical family, six out of seven of us siblings were together, and a spiritual family. And, and the time with my family was good. But the time with my spiritual family was phenomenal. It was excellent. It was so, so encouraging. And that's probably sort of the way it should be. I mean, being with your spiritual family. So I want to share and change things up a little bit. You probably noticed that as you came this morning. Uh, I thought I'd share some things that relate to last week. A week ago yesterday, I was in Des Moines, Iowa. We had a 40-year home group reunion. Uh, it was a group that I and Steve Phelps and Vicki Barefoot Phelps, we were all part of for a number of years, together worshiping and serving the Lord, a group that I was one of the co-leaders. About six months ago, three of us from this group decided, hey, let's see if we can put together a reunion of our group. We had a very encouraging time, and meeting from 1978 to about 1985. And I left in 1983 to go out to the D.C. area, and that was important because I probably wouldn't be here if I wouldn't have left from there in 83 to go to D.C. at that time. So we go yesterday, 30 of us, exactly 30 of us from our old home group got together. There's about 10 more that would be spouses and a couple children were there as well. And again, it was the most encouraging time. It was one of the most encouraging times I've had in my life uh, being together. Uh, just a blessed time of fellowship and prayer and singing, all these different things. Our time was split into really two parts the fellowship time, we're just sharing, talking to each other, people we knew again from a long time ago. And then the home group time. So we had a home group meeting. And the home group meeting was a few of us were sharing and, and, and we broke bread together and we sang songs. And the songs we sang from back then, 40 years ago, and Steve Phelps and Ms. Brad Meyer, who's been here at our church, they were leading the songs. And you would have probably known most of the songs. In fact, the first song we sang last Saturday, we go Saturday, was the first song we sang today. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. So it was very, very encouraging. It was, a, again, a most wonderful time. Steve Phelps and I, we were standing together with some friends. Well, the friends actually were going to Japan, but we had the house to ourselves, so that was sort of nice. But anyway, we were there at this, at this time from 11.30 in the morning to 11.15 at night. It went that long. Two parts one in the church, and then went to one of the person's home where we kept meeting together. Again, a wonderful time of, of encouragement and fellowship. Uh, the home group time lasted an hour and a half. The rest of the time was just talking to people, encouraging one another, people, most people that I had not seen for 40 years. And so I'm going to share with you what I shared at that home group meeting. I'll elaborate a few more things, and, and uh, I think it's important because it I believe it's going to be encouraging for our lives individually and also encouraging for our church things that I 
share here. And so with that, I'm going to just begin and shift into sort of the mode that I had a week ago Saturday. It's so good that we can be together, that we can see each other again, uh, and that it's been 40 years since we were last together and God has kept us going all these years. But I want to say this at this time, is that many of us here, and I'm not going to have you raise your hand, many of us here have been together for 20 to 25 years. Okay. I came here in 99 with my wife, and, and so that's 25 years about, and others here is 03, 04, we came here, we came to this church. So I, I think of similar thoughts, I think about our home group, then I think about you right here, and that thought will be conveyed as we continue on. The first verse I want to share here is, is um, Psalm 77, verse 11, and I'm talking here, this first part, about our time as Christians on this earth and the perspective that God wants us to have. And I want to just share briefly three perspectives that relate to all of us here. First comes from the verse Steve shared in Psalm 77, verse 11. says, I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. God wants us to remember what he has done. So important, so encouraging, so God glorifying. To remember what God has done what he has done in our lives, what he has done for us. And I'm talking about now 40 years ago, because it, again, we had a very encouraging time for many, many years that we were together. Those early years were important times, times when God was building in our lives. He was helping us then to get roots foundationally, that is the truth, the word of God in our lives and our hearts. He was helping us to learn to obey him, to do the things he wanted us to do. And he was helping us develop relationships, again, borne out by the fact that I mean, 40 years ago, we were, you know, just getting to know each other, and we still connected. It was, again, so, so encouraging. Second, there's 1 Samuel 7, 12, which says, Thus far the Lord has helped us. A very important verse. Thus far. So bring it up to the present. Back then, last week of September 8th, today is September 17th. Thus far, thus far in our lives. 40 years the Lord has helped us. For 25 years the Lord has helped us and we are still going. Thus far, the Lord, the Lord has helped us. And so we can think about what we've done, but we remember what God has done for us, what God has done through us. A key verse in this I've shared many times. It's Philippians chapter 2, 12 and 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you to will and to work to give you both the desire and the ability to do the work he wants you to do. For it is pleasing to God. And indeed, so whatever God has done in these last 40 years or these last 25 years is because God then has enabled us to do it. Philippians 2, 12 and 13. That's his first 2, 12, 13. I'll say that. Proverbs 6, 9, 16, 9 says, Man plans his ways, the Lord directs his steps. Through all these years, we plan our ways, plan our ways, but God has been directing our steps, leading us in the way that he wants us to go. And so then we must give credit to God and must thank him for what he has done, how he has led us and how he has bled us, led us, led us and blessed us. And now we look back these 40 years, now these 25. We must give credit to him. We must thank him. Say, thank you, Father, for what you have done. Thank you, Lord Jesus and Holy Spirit. But I want to share some specifics of what, it, what, what God has done for us through these years. We think back this verse, 1 Samuel 7, 12. What has God done for us? And, and as I th- thought about these, and I think about them now, that the relevance is extremely important. They just so, so just relate to all of our lives. First, Hebrews 13, 5. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. The Lord is my helper. The Lord has never left any one of us here. He's always been with us. 
always, 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 all the time, all day long, every day, every month and year for the last 40 years, for the last 25 years, always been there for. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 15.10, I am what I am by the grace of God, his grace toward me did not prove in vain. This is the verse that I heard from Gary Galligan, and appropriately so, more than any other verse. He shared this is one of his life verses. I am what I am by the grace of God, and his grace did not prove in vain toward me. And so again, we've got to give the credit to God. If you're here today, it's because of God's grace. If you're still going for God, it's because of his grace, his strength, his power. And we know that verse in 1 Corinthians 1, 8, 9. It says, he will enable you to keep going to the end. So you'll be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he'll keep you going. If you are a child of God, God will make sure that you make it all the way through this life, off this earth, and then to heaven. That's what he'll do. Then that verse, you know, Psalm 23, 6. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Every day. Every day has been a day of mercy, a, mer- a gay day where you've seen the love of God. Or maybe, maybe I should change that. Maybe you haven't seen the love of God every day. But the point is this, the truth is this, is that God's love and kindness has been with you, whether you always realize it or not. That's the point. That's the truth. Every day. And all of you have had ups and downs in the last 40, 25 years or 40 years. You've all had ups and downs, but God's mercy and love has always, always been there for you. Romans 8, 28, you know the verse, God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purposes. You all had ups and downs, good things, bad things, ugly things. Every one of you have gone through all kinds of things in life. And God has worked all those things, the good and the bad, together for good. You must remember that. He is sovereign. He's providential. He's in charge. It's wonderful how he does that. First, 2 Timothy 4.18, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed, bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom, to him be the glory forever and ever. A great statement by Paul that relates to all of our lives. Indeed, the Lord is the one who, uh, you know, has rescued us, protected us. We've gone through many dangers, toils, and snares, as the song Amazing Grace says, and God has rescued us. And let me say this, time and time and time again. And much more than you ever realize. You're just a little kid in God's sight. And as you know, little kids can get in trouble. And God, the parents know how to rescue. And God knows how to rescue us, which is what he has done. And so here we are today. Might we always remember this, this 1 Samuel 7, 12. Thus far the Lord has brought us. Now at that point when, when Joshua was they're talking there. They were setting up this Ebenezer stone. They'd just gone through the Jordan River. And think about this. They'd been 40 years in the desert. That's what he was thinking about. Thus far, these past 40 years. So these past 40 years, the Lord's been with us and he has bought us. We need to mark this spot. Mark this place, indeed, remembering what God has done. But to the third point of my perspective, remember the deeds of the Lord. We think back what's happened all these years. We also then think about this is the day the Lord has made, we're right here today, then we must look ahead. That's the third point on time here. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to lies ahead. This doesn't mean you absolutely forget everything that's done. We just said, remember that he's the Lord. It means you're not focused on the past. And you might know some older people that really live in the past. It's not a good thing to do. They talk about the past and, you know, good things that maybe happened, but they live in the past. And we're not to live in the past. And all, most of us here are a little bit older than the average, you know, it's a little bit older. In view of the past, we need to live in the present and look forward to the future. In view of the past, 
We live in the present, and we need to look forward to the future. That's how we should think. God wants us always to remember, be encouraged by what he's done in the past, and be aware of then, here we are today, and know that he's got a future for us. He wants us to see where we've been, where we're at today, and where we are going. But what are some of the keys to our lives, whether it's past, present, or future? What are some of the keys? Three things I want to mention here. First, relationships, and secondly, purpose, and third, hope. Three important keys. It was last Thursday night, and, and we had our elders meeting, and Ralph was talking. He was talking about these groups of people. He's watching some show, talking about groups of people all over the world that were living to like their 100 or so, 105, 110. You know, some, they call them blue zones. These, these people. And what were the reasons? Well, three reasons, simply. Maybe more, but there's three particular ones he, we talked about there, Ralph mentioned. First, they ate good food. They had good food. You know that. They eat good food. Secondly, they had relationships. Their societal structure was such that they were connecting with other people. They weren't loners. They were with other people. That was so important. And the third point is just they had purpose. They'd get up every day and have something to do. And here you have a 105-year-old man still working out in the rice paddy. They had work to do. They kept working. They didn't quit work and say, hey, now's the time to you know, quit working at age 65 or 7 and just do whatever I want. No, no. That's not it. So those, those three things there, relationship and purpose and hope. And I'm going to talk first about relationships. I think of three primary relationships I know that has kept me going. First, relationship with God. Secondly, close friends. And thirdly, then, uh, relationships with people in the church. First, there's God, and there's no doubt that it's most important that we have a close relationship with him, that we are daily walking with him, that we are loving him and, and, and spending time with him, that we are singing to him and praying to him and trusting him and talking to him. There's no doubt, we've talked about this many times, this is number one, by far, your relationship with, with the Lord. And I love the Psalms because it helps us to have a good relationship with him. It really, really does. There's a number of verses I think of, well, many, I'm just going to share one here at this point. Psalm 18:1. I love you, O Lord, my strength. I love you, O Lord, my strength. That relationship with the Lord because of the relationship he has with us, the strength he gives to live for him. But then there's Psalm 119. You know that it's one of my favorite psalms, and it speaks about the word of God, and, and, and we need the word of God. The word of God is absolutely essential for our lives. And if you love God, you'll love his word. And if you're not loving his word, then you don't truly love God like God wants you to. That's just very clear. And in and, and this culture today, we understand the culture's past. They didn't have the Bible like we have. We all have a Bible. Some, some of us have two or three or four or five Bibles. We have the word of God. Now we can get so easily distracted. We must hang on to God's word, God's truth. There's three verses from Psalm 119 I want to mention first. How blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. That's verse 1, verse 92. It says, if your law had not been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. That verse has been real to me. If God's word has not been my delight, I would have perished. I, I couldn't have made it in the way that he wants me to make it, or all of us to make it without his word. And thirdly, this verse, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So we're talking about... First, our relationship with God. Secondly, a few close friends. This is what's helped me. And here are two good verses about this truth and friendship. Proverbs 18.24 says, A man of many friends comes to ruin, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And, and the point is, we don't, well, in fact, we can't have too many 
close relationship. It's just not possible. We don't have the time. We don't have the emotion to do that. But a man who has many relationships, maybe not close ones, he's going to come to ruin. We need to have close friends, one that sticks closer than a brother. Secondly, Proverbs 17, 17, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. We need friends so that if that person's a friend we have is having a problem, we can help them and vice versa. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity, for the tough times. Of course, I, I think I'm going to give you three examples about relationships. I first, of course, think of my wife, Marcia, and then my best friend, my closest friend. And I, I think of three particular areas here. There's many things I can say, of course, but the first one is that she has been a blessing to me, and, um, and specifically, uh, she's been a helper. This goes back to Genesis chapter 2. It says, I'll find a helper suitable for you. And there's no doubt that She's the helper suitable for me, no doubt about it. And we just connect, we're wired, our personalities, our, our temperaments, our gifting, all that. And, and she's been a helper uh, and that she helps me. She's secretarial, uh, she, she's good at details, and she helps with details. That's very important to me. She's also my tech support because I don't like doing tech stuff. I'm not saying she's super techie, but if there's a problem with the computer or the printer or the cell phone, then she'll get it fixed or she'll at least call somebody, and probably more often than not, she'll call somebody, be in the phone for an hour or two, talk to somebody from the Philippines or down in El Salvador or whatever, and she'll then share you know, some verses or share something about our, our blog card, the future and things. So it, it's, it's, it's a blessing in that way. Secondly, she's been very encouraging. She's, she's an encouraging person, very positive, very faith-filled. She lifts me up and she doesn't bring me down. The third point is this, she loves the truth. She loves the truth. She loves the truth, she loves to learn the truth, she loves to share the truth, and that's the way I am too. So we're just meshed that way. In fact, I shared a verse with her yesterday, I just saw this, I think on Friday, maybe it was Saturday morning. John 18, 37, I thought, well, this is true of us. Jesus is talking, but I thought, well, this relates to us. Jesus said, for this, he's talking to Pilate, for this I have been born, and for this I have come into the world to testify to the truth. And that's probably one of my prime purposes, to testify to the truth of God. That's why we are here. So we're together. It was 1993. We were in a church back up in Maryland at 700 people. And um, we had some difficulties. I mean, it was going fine. I mean, you know, the church was big and people were coming and things. But as pastors, there's five of us. We struggled because we didn't agree on the primary purpose of Sunday morning. There's three that felt, well, we should use Sunday morning to make sure we reach out to the lost, and the other two, no, we need to teach the Word of God. That other one with me was Dennis Clark. Some of you might have heard of him. So we had all these discussions, and this went on for a couple years about what's our purpose, what's our reason for being here, you know. And so then, as a fact, it's August 25th. That was the day that Marsha's father went to heaven. We got the call at 8 o'clock that morning. But that night, we had a, 12 hours later, had a, had a leaders meeting, and we shared to the church that we were actually going to we call it a church plan, but it really wasn't a church plan. It was a church split. I mean, it was nice. We, it, we did a civil. It wasn't problematic or anything. So 300 of us went one way, about 10 miles away, and the other 400 stayed. So that was good. It was back it was at that time when I really started teaching a lot more in the church. This is 1993, falling into the 94 and the years following. And, and I, I, at that time, and I was 40 years old at that time, God gave me the gift to teach. It wasn't before then. That was the time because that's what the church needed. And so... It was a blessing. I was learning a lot of things in the 90s. That's when we actually met John MacArthur up at a conference in, in Richmond, Virginia in 96, another conference up at Sandy Cove, uh, Maryland in 97, and just learned a lot of things, listened to a lot of tapes, read a lot of books, 
learned about the sovereignty of God, one of the most important truths I could ever learn. I, that, was, that was then in the 90s. That was in the 90s. But then we come to 98. And so things are starting to go downhill again. The same problem, basically the same problem we had, you know, five, six years earlier. You know, what's, what are we doing on Sunday morning? And, and there's some thought that, well, you know, we need to, you know, sort of focus some on unbelievers. And so here we had this Sunday morning service. We had what's called Elvis sightings. Elvis would show behind the curtain, you know. We had secular songs being sung. We had four-part series which were tailored more for the unbeliever, but not for the believer. So... I was just struggling, and Marsha and I would have our discussions, and James told me, told me later, he said that, because we'd come home after church, and we'd be in the kitchen, and James is in the room, just not too far away, you hear us having this talk, there's a little emotional and passionate talk that we were having, and so, hard, hard years then, 97, 98, I carved a path uh, back in the woods behind her house with clippers and also with weed killer. Poison ivy killer. That's what I did. So I had this path as my prayer path. That's what it was. Just saying, Lord, lead us, lead us. And so it was a struggle. And what God was doing was, was really two things. He was, he was clarifying in me and Marcia, too, the importance of teaching the word. That was my primary purpose at that time. So what you've seen through all the years here relates to the fact that he was doing that back then. And the second thing is I was sort of getting a squeeze play. They brought another elder sort of unannounced, and I said, man, I'm not really wanted here. And so what happened then, and this all relates to you, because if that would have happened, I wouldn't be here today, okay? That's the point. That's the point. God worked it all together. Very, very hard, difficult time, one of the hardest times of my life back then, but he used it for being here. So it was, it was, it was November, end of November 1998. I got a call from Tom Schrader, the person who was involved with the church association at that time. He says, hey, uh, uh, I, I got a place for you to go down in Florida, Tampa, Florida. I said, oh, really? Uh, yeah, Gary Galligan. You know Gary Galligan? I, I know Gary Galligan. I was with Gary Galligan in 1997 and, or 1977 and 1978. We were working on conferences together. He was the food guy and I was the money guy. This is back in Ames, Iowa there. So I knew him. We'd seen each other through the years some. And so over the next six weeks, I flew down here twice. And oh, that was one little story. I'll never forget this. Because, you know, it's, it's pretty nice weather up there. So we had this, this camp out, you know, they had these camp outs in January. And I was laying in the tent, and I was sweating. I said, man, this is January, and I was just sweating, sweating my chest. Oh, this is terrible. What am I doing this for? Anyway, but the Lord led. It was fine. We moved in. Sold my house quick at a loss, and moved down here in February of 24th. My wife, Marcia, four kids, a cat, and a dog. So it was a pretty quick move. So God led us here. That is what happened. It's because of the truth. All because of the truth. That is it. Another close relationship has been Mike Stolmar. You guys have heard of him. I'm told one before. He's a godly man, good friend, teacher of God's word, and he also helped me in this whole area of truth. From 1978 to 2012, when he passed away, 34 years, we were on the phone literally hundreds of times. I mean, hundreds, not just a dozen, hundreds. Every other week, every week, every other week, for all those years, 34 years, we were talking. And he always had a lesson to share from God's Word. Always. So he's my mentor. He is my teacher. That was so, so encouraging. Finally, there's Steve and Vicki Phelps. I think you're aware of this. I was in the same church with Vicki um, for 44 years. That's pretty amazing. Same person. Same church with Steve and Vicki for 39 years. And they were great friends, very supportive, very, very encouraging. As you know, the Lord took Vicki home. 
back in December 1st, 2021, and Steve then left in February. But we still stay in touch. We typically try to call on Tuesday mornings. He's going to work up there to Beloit, Wisconsin. I'm down in my office and call, talk on the phone. So it's still very much of a good friendship. So the point is I can't stress enough the importance of good and close relationships. I cannot. It is so important. And I don't know where you're all at because some of you have maybe really good friends, some of you don't. Again, if you're married to the spouse, that's where it starts. If not, then might God help you to have a good relationship because he wants that for us. Third, there's the importance of being a good church. I'm not going to say much about this, but having good relationships with people in the church and serving the Lord together is what he wants for our lives. And I'm thankful that God has always put me in good churches. And I say good churches. I didn't say perfect, good churches, because the churches haven't always, I sort of testified, always have been perfect, but they've been good. People have loved the Lord, and there's been a holy church, and the word has been taught, the gospel's been charted, the gospel's been taught. So it's been good. And so through all the years, I've always, I mean, we're talking way back to 72, always been in a church. And that is so, so critically important. Two songs we sang that relate to church last week go we go Saturday, Acts 2.42, and they were devoted to the apostle teaching, breaking bread, prayer, and fellowship. We sang that recently. It seemed like a few weeks ago. The other song we sing quite frequently, we sang this one too recently. The Colossians 3.12 song is those who have been chosen of God, holy and dearly beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, and it goes on. So we were singing these songs back then and sing them here as well. And so as we live with the Lord, we need to have relationships and we need to have purpose. We need to have good relationships with other Christians in the church as we serve the Lord together. That's what he wants for us. Now, last week, here today, I'm talking to many people about the same age as we go Saturday. You know, uh, older, retired, or close to being retired. I mean, not everybody here, but... You know, that's true for many, many of us right here. And, and the, the point is this, is, is yes, you can retire from a job where you're making money. That's true, but you should never retire from working for the Lord. Always be serving him, always. One, one, many verses that say that, but this is just a simple one. Psalm 119.44 says, I will always obey your law forever and ever. And to obey God is to serve him, is to work him, work for him. So I will always Serve the Lord. I'll always work for the Lord forever and ever. You know what that means? <laughs> That's this age and the next age and the age after that. We're to keep serving the Lord. And you know what? According to Ephesians 2, chapter 10, God has work for you to do that he's planned from eternity past. He's got all the work he wants you to do. Only in the future when you get to heaven, it's going to be a lot easier. A lot easier. No sweat, as they say. Now, you may change the work you do. You may have aches and pains. May need a nap once in a while, as I do once in a while. Uh, you may slow down your pace, but you're to keep working for the Lord. That's what you are to do. This verse here speaks about how God gives you gifts and abilities so you can serve Him. I've shared that I, I love this verse. Each of, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. That, that sums it up as good as anything. God gives us abilities, spiritual abilities, that we can serve him so that we can then work for him. First that I want to stress is Colossians 3, 23 and 24. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do, it covers everything, right? 
It covers all day long. It covers 24-7. Whatever you do, do your work for the heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the reward of the inheritance. Your work for the Lord is whatever you do. It could be making a meal. It can be having lunch with somebody. It can be helping raise your grandchildren. It can be serving in the church. It can be praying. That's an important one. I really mean that. Is, is, is we all should be praying. And some believers are focused more than that, but always be praying. That's for every one of us. And, of course, sharing the gospel as God gives us opportunities. And I shared these verses before, but 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Each will receive his own reward for his own labor. Rewards is a subject we don't talk much about, haven't talked much about. Each person will receive his own reward for his own labor. When you finally get to be before the Lord in the judgment seat, there'll be a judgment seat. This is 2 Corinthians 5.10. You'll be blessed and rewarded. God wants to reward you. He really wants to reward you. Revelation 22.12 says, Behold, I'm coming soon, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to what he has done. That is one of the reasons he's coming back is so he can reward us. And the rewards will come at that time. I'm coming soon. When I come, I'm going to hand out rewards to give to everyone according to what he has done. So these are important verses. But they say that you're to be rewarded for, the, for whatever, whatever you do. Encouraging verses. And so at this point in time, I see my life, I've, well, recently, last 10 years, I see my life in eight parts. The eight parts equals 80 years, okay? Psalm 90 talks about living to 70 or 80. I know some of you here are older than that, but I see my life in eight parts. In two months, I'm going to finish my seventh part. I'll be 70 years of age, okay? That means, what 70 means, my birthday means is that I finished 70 years of life. At that point in time, I'll start my eighth part these last 10 years or whatever God gives me. And I want to say, as Paul said, as I believe we all want to say, 2 Timothy chapter 4, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Boy, each of those are precious phrases. I'm not going to elaborate, but they're good. We all want to be like Jesus who head to his heavenly father in John 17, 4. I brought you glory by completing the work you gave me to do. God has given us each, each of us work to do every day of our lives, and God wants to finish it to complete it. But there's one more thing. We need hope. It's back in the 1980s. as Mike Stolmar who first taught me about hope, and, and more of in a general way. And Mike, of course, was very, very sick for most of his half his life. And he needed hope physically speaking. It really, really helped him to keep going. But I didn't understand it that well back in the 80s. It was in the 90s that I started studying this hope out myself a lot more. It was also in the 90s that I met Marv Rosenthal, went to a conference in 1974 or 1975. And so I just learned a lot more. To sum it up, I, I, I say it this way. You've heard me say this. To, having hope means we're, we're, we're going to be with Jesus. means we're going to be in heaven. means we're going to be with other believers means we're going to be in a brand new body. That's what hope is. That's, it's a simple way to, to sum this up here. Now that we're getting older and our bodies are wearing out, we need this hope physically speaking. A couple verses, Romans 8:23. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So if you're tired, worn out, aches and pains, you're groaning. Pretty normal thing. 2 Corinthians 5 says the same thing. Indeed, in this house we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. We should long for it. You get tired, you get worn out, you don't feel good. 
say, Lord, I'm looking forward to that new body you're going to give me. It's a wonderful thing. So that's the first point. The second point is this, is we, we, we think about our bodies and we think about the world we live in, and it's obvious that the character and course of our country is rapidly going down. I, I hear things every day. I, I mean, I really read things or listen to things every day. It, it's, it just shocks me. It is what's going on in this country. Really, more and more, we're becoming a Marxist, communist country, and I could give you so much evidence for that. It's unbelievable. I think this has happened. It's really been going on for 50, 60 years, if not 100 years, but particularly the last 40, 50 years, a concerted effort by many people. And so this country is going downhill, okay? I think all of you are aware of that in so many ways, and I could give so many stories and examples, but I don't want to say, say things now. We just know that. And so we, we're thinking, we need a good ruler. <laughs> we need some godly rulers, right? When you think about a country going down, you think about what's needed most is the ruler. Well, we're not going to get a really, really good ruler until Christ comes back. That's the, now I'm not saying we might have somebody that's good for a little bit, or however you deem a little good being. But in general, we going down. And the Antichrist will come. Okay. So... Part of this hope, then, is looking forward to Jesus Christ coming back, setting up his kingdom on this earth. Revelation chapter 20 talks about the time, and hundreds of verses in the Old Testament talk about the nature. Three simple chapters, Psalm 47, Psalm 67, Psalm 72, talk about this kingdom when Christ is reigning. Okay, it's so, so encouraging. And, of course, then we are going to reign with him during that time. So that's this hope. It's hard. It's hard to look forward to the way things are going in this country. It's really hard. But the hope is we're going to have new bodies. The hope is that we're going to be in a country where Christ is ruling perfectly. The world won't be perfect during the millennial kingdom, but we will see him rule perfect, and we will be help him execute his, his plans. It will be so, so good. So might we pray the relevance of this verse at this time in history. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Talking about the physical kingdom where Christ is reigning. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So relevant. People praying for centuries. For 2,000 years. But now it's relevant. More relevant than ever, ever before. Thy kingdom come. Lord, thy kingdom come. So as we do kingdom work, if you read my blog post yesterday, I was talking about doing kingdom work. That is, this church is a spiritual kingdom at this time in the last 2,000 years. We're building with Christ this spiritual kingdom, but are to be looking forward to the physical kingdom and spiritual kingdom when he comes to reign. Turn to Psalm 47. I want you to see this here. Psalm 47. This is this, this, this kingdom. Millennial kingdom. 47, 7 and 8, it says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold. That's not 47, it's 46. That's good. 47, for God is the king of all the earth. Sing praises with a skillful psalm. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. That's what we understand. So this is basically what I shared um, with, the, with the home group. I hold home group, but it relates to us here. I think you can see that. And, and, and again, to sum up, two points. As we think about our lives now at this time, we think about the past, we think about the present, we think about the future. We also think about the relationships that God wants us to have with him, with close friends and with people in this church. We think about the purpose that God has for us, the work that he wants us to do, whatever it might be. 
And we also think about the hope that God has in store for us. Finally, there's a couple other songs we sang that you know. And I'm going to go to, first one's Revelation 19. I mean, we, we sang this one. And it was so encouraging. I'm just going to read these verses. You, you know them, I believe. But. Verse 11 of, of 19, I saw heaven opened and behold a white horse and he who sat on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. His eyes are a flame of fire and on his head are many diadems. He has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. He is clothed with a robe dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword, so that with it he might strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron. And he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. And on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And finally, this is the last song we sang with Jude. <laughs> Jude. 24 and 5. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time. A time to really look at the big picture perspective. I think back to my home group from 40 years ago and how encouraging it was to be with them and to see what you've done through all the years and people still continuing on for you just amazing amazing and one person <laughs> I knew back then he's he's going to become an elder here I, I believe in the near future so they're still going on for you in fact him and his wife are going to be helping start a new church and here he is in his mid-60s what a, what a blessing Lord but thank you for again your faithfulness to each of us here in this church and what you've done for all our lives whether it's going back somewhere back with Gary and Janet in the 80s and through the 90s and now into this new century, the 21st century. Some of us have been together only since 99 or 203. But thank you, Father, for whatever. We, you, you think about our lives. You know us and you love us and you lead us and you guide us and you protect us and you stay with us and you strengthen us all the way. And thank you for us. I pray we'd be ones who are continuing to think about serving you. We, we may change a little bit in terms of how we serve or what we do or the strength that we have, but we continue on. The pace may be different, but Lord, that's fine. Help us to keep serving you, doing what you want us to do, Lord. And just, again, keep leading us and helping us, Lord, in these days and weeks and, and months ahead. So we thank you again, Lord, for that. And, and, and thank you, too, for the hope. That hope is so critically important. We need hope. We need to know there's a future for us to keep going in the present. And so stir us with that hope, Lord. Fire us up, fuel us up with the hope that you have for us, Lord. And, and to think, as I told people last week, that we're going to be together forever. An amazing thing. We think about our church here, our little church here, the time we have now, but we're going to be together forever. All of us here have lost loved ones. All of us have had friends or family members go to be with you. And, but to think that we'll see them again, to think that all of us here will be together. And I really do believe that, that we're going to be, in my opinion, more time with believers that we knew on earth than others that we didn't know as well, that as these relationships will continue on. And I believe our serving together will continue on to some degree as well. But thank you again, Lord, for this time. Thank you for each person here. Lord, just pray for your continued leading and blessing and protection. Thank you for Bethel. I just pray for the process. We're finishing up in this process of transferring ownership. I pray that goes smoothly. And 
ones who aren't feeling good, Lord, there's different people here who don't feel good, Lord, just, just give us the strength, different ones the strength and the help. I keep praying for Carol to continue to get better. Particularly wounds need to heal up, I pray for her as well. But thank you again now for this time. We pray all this in Jesus' name. I want to say just one more simple thing. Um, I think y'all know many of you ladies were at our daughter's baby shower back in August, and uh, baby's due in two and a half weeks. But I don't know when that is, so you know when the actual date is. So anyway, I'm going to be taking off with my wife, and I'm not sure. I know Steve Altman's in the wings, so I, I don't know the schedule. So I'm just saying we're going to be flexible here in, the, in the, probably the next three or four weeks. See how the Lord leads. So. But thank you for your prayers for her and Kaysen and the little one. Good morning, everyone. So just a few uh, activities wanted to mention here. Uh, Wednesday, we are back on for Bible study. So for those of you that showed up this week and we didn't have it, sorry about that. But um, This week, Bible study, Wednesday. Um, Sunday will be Matthew meal. That's this coming Sunday. So if you're able to stick around for lunch, plan on doing that if you can next Sunday. And then two Saturdays away, we'll have a work day. And I want to stress that because we had it on next Sunday on a couple of bulletins, so it's not our next Saturday. So it's not next Saturday, it's two Saturdays away, it's work day. So if you show up, you'll have breakfast by yourself. So. Uh, let's see here. And our financial seminar, we've mentioned that a few times, coming up in October. Uh, Steve mentioned today that if you have any questions that you would like asked, to uh, call Steve Hogan and mention those to him, and he'll try to get the financial experts to dig into that for you. So keep that in mind. And then lastly, I uh, just want to encourage you, uh, part of Steve's big picture there was uh, that you know God would have us develop good, strong friendships. Just encourage you to initiate with somebody this week. Don't wait for them to initiate with you. Initiate with them would be a good step. So... Now we have our last songs and offering, and the offering is on the back table back there in the box, or online, or you can mail it in to the church. Thank you. Had to be a little embarrassed this Saturday. Bruce and uh, Kenny and I ride bikes sometimes, so we were riding. And I mentioned I was here Wednesday night. <laughs> so I was paying special attention to his announcements to make sure I get them all right. And I'm not at the wrong place at the wrong time. He said he was going to announce when the rapture was going to be this morning, but apparently <laughs> he didn't get the uh, memo on that, so we're going to go without that. I don't think so. <laughs> So we've got uh, a couple of songs we're going to sing this morning as we end, if you'd stand with us. The first one is uh, kind of a newer hymn, Let Us Love and Sing in Wonder and Praise the Savior's Name.
us love and sing and wonder. Let us praise the Savior's name. He has hushed the Lord's loud thunder. He has quenched the Sinai's flame. He has washed us with His blood. He has washed us with His blood. He has washed us with His blood. He has brought us nigh to God. Let us love the Lord who called us, pitied us when enemies, called us by His grace and taught us, gave us tears and gave us eyes. He has washed us with His blood. He has washed us with His blood. He has washed us with His blood. He presents our souls to God. Let us sing the fierce temptation. Threaten hard to bear us down. For the Lord, our strong salvation, holds in view the conqueror's crown. He has washed us with his blood. He has washed us with his blood. He has washed us with his blood. So will bring us home to God. wonder, grace and justice, join and point to mercy's store. When through grace in Christ our trust is, justice smiles and asks no more. He who washed us with his blood, he who washed us with his blood, he who washed us with his blood. Has secured our way to God. Let us praise and join the chorus of the saints enthroned on high. Here they trusted Him before us. Now their praises fill the sky. Thou hast washed us with Your blood. Thou hast washed us with your blood. Thou hast washed us with your blood. That is a great thought that one day everyone who's ever trusted Jesus will all be together <laughs> and be singing. And that must be one, one chorus that I will, I will be really anxious to be a part of. As, as you know, every week we have an exciting song to start with and a go get him song to leave, so, or go get him song as he lives. And for each of us as Christians, we're going out in the world and because Jesus made a difference in our lives, other people should see that. 
and the Bible says that they're going to ask us the reason for the hope that's in us, why we have a smile on our face, why are we are all right with things even though we're struggling with something. And the key is because we have Jesus living in our hearts. And that's all we got to say is because I serve yep. a risen Savior and he lives inside my heart. Savior, He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy, I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, for Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. The day of his appearing will come at last. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he Rejoice, O Christian, lift up your voice and sing. Eternal hallelujahs to Jesus Christ the King. The hope of all who seek Him, the world of all who find. None other is so loving, so good and kind. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, he lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives within my heart. Benediction, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Amen. Amen.